This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course you are. This time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty, it's tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. Trust me, you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors— old-fashioned, which is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack, you can have anytime, anywhere. Grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in a Clearview bag. They do it so you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What's your beef? I was labeled, you know, as a pothead. You know, you're going to be a loser. You're going to do this. It's a gateway drug to other things. But I, I knew what it did for me. I continued to do it even though I was risking something because I knew that, you know, without this plan, I probably wouldn't have been able to make it 14 years. Hey, 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 what's cracking? Welcome to yet another edition of the Jim Rome Podcast. We are now deep into the triple-digit eps on the side hustle. This is episode number 119. Man, how did we get here? And we've got one that is extremely real for you this week. I love talking to my guest when he played in the NBA, and I've been efforting him since he retired. He has lived an amazing basketball life, and now he's got a tremendous rap and a point of view to go along with it. A rap that is on full display now with his guy, Steven Jackson, on one of the hottest podcasts in the game, All the Smoke, on the Showtime Basketball Channel on YouTube. I'm talking about Sacktown's finest, Matt Barnes. I do not have a ton of time with him today, so I have to make the most of what I have. So let's get right at it. F-190. Of the Jim Rome podcast starts right now. So, Matt, you just wrapped up another episode of All the Smoke, and you co host that with your guy, Steven Jackson. Obviously, there's like a million different podcasts. You probably weren't even looking to do one yourself. So why did this project appeal to you, and how are you and Jack approaching it? In other words, what are you looking to do with this platform? Um, All the Smoke just kind of came organically. Uh, I think at the time, Jack and I were both working between ESPN and Fox, and you know we were getting a lot of feedback on how people liked our, our takes, you know, real, raw, uncut, and from a player standpoint. So we're getting a lot of positive feedback from there. Uh, we were hanging out one day talking, and I was just like, you know, we need to do something together. Um, I'm kind of on the, the TV production documentary series kind of stuff in, in my post-career um, journey. And um, I ran across someone at, at Showtime, or someone that was doing a documentary, was doing a DeMarcus Cousins documentary. And um, he said, hey, I heard you're trying to do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure what the podcast is, but I think so. And that's how it started. So it really started randomly, organically, 
And to answer the other part of your question, what we're trying to do, we, I try to humanize people. We try to make people relatable, you know, peel back deeper layers and show what, you know, what drove them, what made them, what they're like with their family, what they're like in business, uh, you know, obviously the, the ups and downs of their professional career. But really to, my, to me, like, I, I love being able to humanize our guests and make them as, as relatable as possible. All right, so Matt, you mentioned Paul Pierce. When the episode drops, we'll all see it. But let me ask you this. I mean, you you guys finished up that episode, and when I think about some of the guys who played the game, Paul Pierce obviously was an amazing player, but I think mm-hmm. about Kobe famously walking mm-hmm. off on his own power. You know where I'm mm-hmm. going with this after he shredded his Achilles. Karan yeah. Butler walked off the floor after dislocating his kneecap. You were an extremely hard-nosed player. So uh-huh. was Jack. All right, but you know you're on the inside. So what flashed through your mind when you saw Pierce wheeled off the floor in an NBA Finals game? The first thing that popped in your mind. I love that you asked that because we asked that. And because we've heard so many different stories of why, what happened, what was really going on. And he was really, he started laughing as soon as we asked. And the way he broke it down, which you know, everyone will hear on our, our podcast, but he said, he said he felt a pop. So immediately the trainers rushed over, but one of the head trainers said, get the, get the uh, wheelchair. So he said the way it was it played out, uh, you know, they initially just had asked for the wheelchair. So he just said, you know, he was in pain, but they really didn't let him feel kind of where his knee was at. They just wheeled him off. And obviously he said, you know, there was extra dramatics and he was really in pain, but he just kind of said like everything kind of got overhyped. <laughs> and then he said once he got to the back, they finally let him stand up and like, you know, test his knee out. And he said it was sore, but he still felt like he could play. And then he came back out and obviously did what he did and, uh, you know, ended up winning finals MVP. But it was interesting to hear that side because I never knew. You know, I never knew what it was. Uh, to me, I'm thinking, how can you go out in a wheelchair so dramatically and then come right back and start killing? So it was, it was, it was really cool to get his perspective and, and what really happened that day. You know, when you talk about part of the reason you like doing what you're doing right now is because you can humanize guys. You could talk to guys and get a sense of what they're really like. Let me ask you about Kobe. For instance, you you knew Kobe a lot better than a lot of people. So when you think about Kobe, uh, beyond Kobe the baller, Kobe the competitor, what kind of a man was Kobe? What kind of a person was Kobe? Um, that's where we really bonded. I mean, and that's no disrespect to what he accomplished and did on the court, but Kobe and I bonded on men and you know being men and, and the men we were off the court and the fathers we were and, and, and the relationships we were in and that's the side i got to see with Kobe, you know and, and it was a beautiful side that not everyone got to see because everyone got to see the killer on the court and he demonstrated that throughout his 20 years career but i got to see the softer side the real side just the regular kickback guy that you could talk you know trash to would talk right back to you um guy that likes to hang out and then I got to see the father, and that's where he and I really bonded because I was coaching my kids in, in AU, and he was coaching his daughter in AU, and that's where we'd see each other every two weeks. And, and Cole was someone that went out of his way to do stuff for anybody, so he was someone that was always sending, whenever he would drop new shoes, he would send it to my twins and their whole team, and he would come over and make sure he can check out a little bit of the twins' game all the time. So he just really went out of his way just to be a great, you know, great guy, but then also a great father because he cared about kids so much. Matt, where do you come out on this? I've always, I'm always fascinated by kind of what makes guys go, kind of what makes guys tick. And when you look at Kobe and that Mamba mentality, you know, that killer mentality, like I never met a more competitive guy or a guy who wanted it worse. And then I look at his background, and we're talking about a guy whose dad was a professional player. He had this amazing upbringing. He spent some time overseas. He grew up with some money. Why do you think he wanted it as badly as he did? Where did that Mamba mentality come from from him? <sighs> 
I think he did always wanting to prove people wrong. You know, Kobe said he didn't really get on the radar until a little bit later. So he had a kill list early on. You know what I mean? So he had guys that were ranked ahead of him that he wanted to kill. So I think his drive and greatness came from wanting to always be the best but not recognized as the best. And I think that carried on through him without his career. Uh, throughout his career, I still don't think he gets the respect. Obviously, he's, he's passed and, and people are showing a lot of love. But I thought Kobe was, while he was alive, one of the superstars that really didn't get the the, the just cause of, of how good this guy really was and what kind of work he put in, um, you know, over over the body of his career. So I think that's it started in you know it started in high school from what I got you know when he was being overrated and then not really being appreciated throughout his career. And I think that's where his desire and his drive to be the absolute greatest um, came from. You mentioned, Matt, his kill list. Like, did you maintain a list of any sort like that coming up? Like, what kind of fuel were you running on? I was, Jim, I was someone that played all different sports. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, did. basketball, football was my best sport. I chose basketball over longevity, but I was always playing a different sport. So I was football, baseball, basketball, track. I could just play it all, you know. So by the time I, it, basketball in college was the route I decided to go, you know, that's where I just decided to go. But it was never like it, it wasn't obsessive in, in, in the desire to be great like he was. Matt, you mentioned the word longevity to describe your career. You know, it's well documented. You and Stephen Jackson are marijuana ambassadors. And I don't mean like advocating for recreational use. I mean, you're focused on medicinal benefits for athletes as a way to manage pain, anxiety, stress, sleep deprivation, and the like. I spoke to Al Harrington earlier today. You said, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but you smoked weed every day of your 14-year career, and was the routine not shoot-around, smoke, nap, game? Is that the case? And if so, without that joint between shoot-around and nap, do you play 14 years? Um, I definitely think it just helped me. Um, you know, Jim, I wasn't someone who, like we said earlier, I, I didn't sit out. You know, the only time I didn't play was when I was suspended. You know, so I played through a lot, but I was also someone who couldn't take the, you know, you give me one painkiller and it just turns my stomach upside down. So most of the time at the beginning, like, I'm, I'm trying to fight through this pain, and then I'm just like, you know, even though it's illegal, like, this is something I feel like with, you know, the, the rigors I put on my body, the travel I put on my body, the mental stress I put on my body, not you know, not only focusing on the game, but taking care of a village, you know, off the court. So it was just something I really felt like day to day that it really just helped me maintain my focus. You know, it helped me recover, it helped me sleep, it helped me do a lot of different things. And it's amazing now. Like I said, I can tell my story until I'm blue in the face, but until there's medical research backing up everything I knew it made me do. You know, I was labeled as a, and I kept it under wraps, you know, but I was labeled, you know, as a pothead or, or, or someone who, you know, you're, you're going to be a loser, you're going to do this, it's a gateway drug to other things. But I, I knew what it did for me. And, you know, uh, I continued to do it even though I was risking something because I knew that maybe, you know, without this plant, I probably wouldn't have been able to make it 14 years. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the plant in one minute, Matt, but you mentioned labels. Like labels, man, they're almost impossible to shake, whether they're fair or not. Once you get hit with one, they right. stick. And, you know, you and I, we, we would talk, and you would come on the shows when you played. And I've always said this about athletes. We don't know you guys. We just don't know you guys. Like based on what? An interview, something we saw, was something we heard. We just don't know. So going back to Kobe, when the flinch game happened, you suddenly were labeled the villain of the NBA. Never mind that people right. don't know who you are, Matt, or right. what you're about. And as an athlete, you know this, right? You don't worry about what you can't control. But when right. all of a sudden there are lots of people that determine you're a certain way and it's not a good way, what was that like and how did you cope? 
It was tough, Jim. Um, to be honest with you, at first it really bothered me because this is the very beginning of social media. So this is, you know, maybe Twitter's a few years being out. Um, athletes are starting to be on there and, and be more, you know, touchable, so to speak, to fans, and fans are able to communicate with us. So I'm just labeled this horrible guy, and I'm just like, that's not really who I am. So it took me a while to be like, damn, like, why are they doing this? But then, then I, it just got to a point where I embraced it. You know what I mean? So I went, okay, well, you know, if you want me to be the bad guy, I'm going to be the baddest guy. You know what I mean? So it kind of just, I, I took that mentality on, I embraced it, and then I used to use it as fuel to my fire. But oddly enough, you know, being a father and then having my kids start, my, my, my last four or five years, my kids traveled with me to games and understanding it. People, they would hear people boo or talk bad about me. And I had to explain to them, like, Daddy, why do they boo you or why are they mad? And I just, I explained it like this. I told them, like, they loved wrestling at the time. And, um, you know, I'm always going to guard the best players. So I'm guarding Kobe. You know, I say, like, Kobe's like Hulk Hogan. And then Daddy is the undertaker. So although Daddy is good at what he does and people respect him, they don't like him because he does a good job on the superhero. So that's kind of how I kind of compartmentalize it to myself, too, obviously, in a broader scale. Like, okay, if you want me to be the bad guy, I would be the bad guy. And that bad guy got me, you know, a 14-year career. You know, Matt's interesting, though, right? Because, like, remember when LeBron tried to do that? And that, that he's just not wired for that, right? At least not yeah, at that point in his not life. That guy. It, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to be able to... You know, he's someone that, with all the, he should be loved. You know, for amazing as he's been, you know, these stars should be uh, loved and cherished and understood. But it takes a different kind of breed to be able to handle that and, and take it in. Because knowing in the back of your mind and people close around you in your circle, that's not who you really are. You know, but it's like I said, it's almost perception is reality. So instead of fighting it or letting me lose sleep over anything like that, I'm just going to embrace it and use it as fuel to my fire. Right. You did what you had to do. And then what about Jack? Like when I had him on this podcast, we talked. I mean, I wonder if there was part of that with Steven Jackson. Like he's also another really good guy. But when right. he went into the stands, and by the way, why right. did he go into the stands? Because his take teammate went into the stands. Exactly. He had right. to take care of his guy. Right. And then all of a yeah. sudden, he's one of those guys now. Did he face yeah. something similar to you? Similar. How did he Very handle it? Similar. You know, he's late. And, and he speaks on it. You know, he feels like he missed, you know, a few All Star games and, and really getting the recognition he deserved. Because at the end of the day, like you said, he went in there to help a friend. He went uh, a friend in need. He went in there. And now he's labeled a thug. He's labeled a bad guy. He's labeled a problem. And it's it's and that's something that we both use as podcasts too. As, as all the smoke is to kind of show people the other side. You know what I mean? Like you said. People don't really get a chance to know us, and, and they'll judge everything off the two-hour game or the the, the, the brief, you know, Cripperclaw Sports Center as far as they think and they know who we are. You know, so to be able to show the other side and, and show where the drive and the hunger and the passion and the mean streak comes from, like I said, and that's what we try to do to our guests. You know, some people have, you know, there's a misconception who people are, and I think that we have a tremendous platform now to kind of change the narrative, show people who we really are, and help others do the same. So, Matt, we have a few more moments left. Let me ask you about what's going on right now in the game. So, LeBron and Anthony Davis, we know, are going to carry the Lakers. We know this. But do they have enough around those two stars to win a championship, or do they need a legitimate third guy who can create to get past the Clippers or the Bucks or whomever they run into late? It's going to be tough. You know, I really – it's hard to ever bet against LeBron. And then LeBron, you know, to play with a player like Anthony Davis, and with all due respect to, you know, D-Wade and some of the other guys he's played with, AD is – the best player that um, LeBron has ever played with. So that two-band game alone is, is a problem, and it's going to carry them. Um, now, do they have enough offensively? Um, guys are going to have to step up. I think the, a big part of the stretch, Kyle Kuzma, is going to have to be that third guy, that third consistent 6'10", 
16, you know, 16 to 18 point guy, but you know, at any time can erupt for 30. And then they have a, what, what I really like about them though, is they have a great supporting cast of, of veteran players who have been there and done that. A lot of guys have championship experience, championship DNA, guys that hit big shots and big moments. So that's all LeBron needs. You know, uh, they were able to add a Morris twin, which I think was big. Uh, but then you go next door to the Clippers and the Clippers, we just talked about this today with Paul on our, on our show. The Clippers got a, a locker room, locker room full of dogs. And dogs on defense, dogs in life, and then they can also they also guys that can put the ba- uh, ball in the basket. So to me, I think that the Clippers have the uh, upper hand in the Western Conference. Uh, but I definitely think it'll be a battle, and that's not disrespecting Houston or any of these other teams that are really starting to make a run in the second half. But I really feel like the two best teams are the Lakers and Clippers, and I think the winner of that, you know, will probably win the championship. Man, I love that notion of dogs in life. Like, mm-hmm. like when you pay that price and all of a sudden you get to that level and that level includes like just crazy lifestyle, crazy money, crazy jets, like everything. How do you maintain that dog both on the floor and off the floor when you've got all those things that you grinded so hard for that you probably rightfully think you earned? Just continue to stay focused. I think having a good circle around you. And just not losing perspective of what's going on, understanding that how lucky we are to even be able to do what we do. We get paid millions of dollars to play a game, run up and down the court and, and put a ball in a hole. So I think just keeping perspective, keeping a tight circle, uh, always wanting to be better, you know, wanting to win a championship, wanting to improve. Uh, those are all things that, that, that drove me throughout my career. Uh, but like you said, the outside distractions are, are, are big, are huge, and that's what people don't understand. I think the mental approach to the game is not just about actually playing. It's just about, you know, always being aware of what's going on. You know, we got to deal with it. we got to take care of a lot of people. we got to watch out for potholes. we got to watch out for, you know, people after us and people after our money. And uh, So there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on with this. But like I said, I think it's, uh, it's very important to have a, a good circle around you and uh, people that you listen to, you respect, and kind of help you keep, uh, on the right path during this journey. Matt, you mentioned the village. What's the village? I mean, is that your immediate family, or does the village go much deeper than that? Um, it, it's deeper than that. You know, it, it, it's family. It, it, it's family, friends sometimes. It, it's friends. It's uh, you name it. You know, once you, you know, when you come from nothing and you finally make it, everyone thinks you have a ton of money, so you can just take care of everybody. And I think a lot of guys get lost in the mix early on trying to, you know, okay, well, you know, I didn't come from nothing, and, and these people were with me, so let me make sure I take care of them, or my family needs this, and my family needs that. The hardest thing I learned how to do once I started making money and realizing that this money needs to last is saying no. And that's saying no to not only friends, but that's saying no to family, too. And uh, it's a slippery slope. Um, you know, you got some people that just want to call in. And some people don't even try to fool you. It's just straight, can I get this, can I get that? And then some people try to butter you up, and then eventually, you know, they're going to try to get to the money. So the hardest thing I had to do as an athlete and as a young athlete was learn how to say no to people. And uh, it was one of the best things I ever learned. Now, I'm getting the sense you got to go. Let me ask you this really quickly. What was it like? We could talk about Golden State. We could talk about your 14 years. I'm kind of curious. What was it like running with the Long Beach Jam and Dennis Rodman, both on and off the floor back in the day? Hey, great question, man. Um, yeah, people don't know. I mean, my, my beginnings were humbling, you know what I mean? And I think that I use that as, as fuel and passion to remember where I came from because, you know, people get the misconception, you drafted, you made it. Well, I got drafted and got cut and, and had to go the ugly route and playing with the Long Beach Jam, and we would, you know, play in Juarez, Mexico, and then Dennis Rodman comes to our team trying to make a comeback. So it was just a crazy start to my career. They gave me a huge appreciation to know what the other side's like. 
know that I'm better than that and know that I need to elevate myself and keep myself on the right path to be able to make the league and stay in the league. But, you know, the Long Beach Gym was a humbling but great experience because, like I said, it gave me a taste of what I didn't want to be a part of and knew how hard and how I had to approach every single day once I made it. Last question then, Dennis. Like, I've seen Dennis in Hollywood back in the day. I tried to match him shot for shot, Matt, one night with Jägermeister. <laughs> that did not go well for me at all when Jaeger was a thing. I've seen him in Newport Beach, in and about. What was he like in Juarez? Uh, Dennis was legendary, man. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to play with Dennis in Juarez, so we did. Dennis came to our team late. Okay. And I was by the time he got there, we actually only were together for, I want to say, three weeks maybe. <laughs> so I never even got a chance to go out with him either. Uh, unfortunately, but just great to just see him and, and see him working hard, trying to get back to what he was trying to do. But I never really got a chance to live it up uh, because I definitely think Dennis and I could have caused trouble wherever we went. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that. So that's still on my bucket list. We want to get him on the show, and I need a, you know a couple of L.A. nights with him as well. Matt, great to run you down. I wish we had more time. I understand that you're a busy man. I'll take what I can get. All the smoke is a great listen and a great watch, and I appreciate you, man. I'm so glad you and I can get caught up. Yeah, let me know, man. I'll come jump on the podcast whenever you need me. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen. If staying on top of your budget and protecting your home are goals for this year, you want to take a look then at American Home Shield. American Home Shield gives you a plan for when stuff breaks down in your home. I'm talking about the stuff that is not so easy to fix. I'm talking about stuff that can be pretty expensive, like your refrigerator, heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical. Believe me, when it happens, and not if, but when it happens, you're going to really appreciate American Home Shield. To see everything they cover and to save 50 bucks right now, go to ahs.com slash Rome. That's ahs.com slash R-O-M-E. If American Home Shield can't repair the covered item, they will replace it or they'll offer an alternative solution. And as the nation's largest provider, they have paid more in home warranty claims than any other company. I'm talking about more than $2 billion with a B in the last five years alone. America's most preferred home warranty, more than 1.8 million customers. AHS.com slash Rome. American Home Shield. Be sure with the shield. Limitations and exclusions do apply. See plan for details. Huge thanks to Matt Barnes for carving out some time in a really busy schedule to swing by for the pod. I wish we could have spent more time together. He's that good, but we'll do it again sooner than later. Now, while you're here, make sure you smash the subscribe button. I mean it. Get subscribed right now. Lock yourself into never missing another future episode. It's a brilliant move. Your subscription helps the exposure of the podcast, so I appreciate it very much. Make sure you hit that button. You only have to hit it once. The voicemails have been popping of late. Let's keep that going. The phone number is 949-385-0447. Leave me a voicemail, 949-385-0447. Put that in your blower. Hit me up anytime you want about anything at all. And here is this week's tape. First new message. James, this is Dan Deal from the City of Champions, Pittsburgh. Just calling to let you know that I'm a little disappointed you're off the gin train. Vodka's for losers, man. In all seriousness, though, can we get an update on what your opinion is on minivans? Message deleted. Next message. What's up, man? This is Brady in Rochester. 
And I was really excited to hear about the tour stop coming to Buffalo. I was getting ready to buy the ticket, and then I realized that I'm going to be in Southern California at the same time that you're coming here to Western New York. So just a question. I'm wondering if maybe I can hop on that uh, charter flight with you Friday night to Buffalo and then go back with you on Sunday so I can rejoin the family vacation in L.A., see if that'd be okay. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, Dave in L.A. Give me a call back. Put me on the air. Peace, Rome Van Smack. Message deleted. Next message. Jim Rome, Page Eric Stone, talking about Giles. Hey, did he mention that he was going to give his paycheck back or any of his playoff bonuses, or is he just going to give back the ring? And is he going to give back the ring only when they ask for it rather than just give it back? Yeah. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, it's your friend Jerry Seinfeld. I'm sitting here next to Rich Mandarin, and we were thinking, why doesn't our moon have a name? We've named every other moon in our solar system. Why are we treating our moon this way? Why? Message deleted. Next message. Romy Johnson in Melbourne, man. I just wanted to call to let you know I really appreciate you picking up the voicemail call last night when I buzzed you. I mean, our conversation went so deep. You really helped me out throughout the night, Jen, and I really appreciate it. You are the man. Look forward to our deep conversations in the future. Message saved. Next message. My name's Patrick in Charlotte, and... I was listening about CBD and it saved my wife's life. Talking terminal brain cancer gave her 12 weeks, and that was a year ago. So it uh, it's for real. People should have it. And message saved. Next message. Rome, Paul from Sacramento. I'm a huge fan. I'm a U.S. veteran. I served for almost seven years, and during my two deployments, I would find a way to stream you online, listen to your show. I want to thank you for everything you do, the insight you bring. We love you, and keep doing what you do. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Romy, it's Steven here in Orlando, man. Big fan. I've uh, been listening to you for years, but I never called. But I had to tell you that I had a breakthrough tonight. I got a two-year-old here trying to get her to eat. I'm like, man, I've been listening to Rome for years. How can I make this show work for me? And I start thinking, like, eat it, hon. Well, lo and behold, she ate it. I'll keep her away from the bugs. Thanks, Romy. Message saved. You have no more messages.